The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hey, everybody. Welcome in to a sunny Monday edition of the Leach Report. Uh, I guess the big story everybody was talking about over the weekend was Phil Mickelson at age 50 winning the PGA Championship and becoming the oldest winner ever of a major by about two years. Julius Boros was 48. Uh, of course, Jack Nicholas back in the 60s, uh, Jack Nicholas in 86 was uh, 46. There was also a guy in the 1800s, old Tom Morris, who I think was 48, a little younger than Julius Boros. So anyway, um, Phil Mickelson was uh, the story everybody was talking about. And um, I have always been more of a Tiger guy than a Phil guy, but uh, it was fun seeing him pull this off. And uh, we uh, we may get around to that with uh, one or two of our guests as we move through the show today. But lots of other things to talk about. But I think that's the the one that kind of uh, captured the the attention of the sports world over the weekend. That was must see TV, if you will. On the show, we'll uh, talk with Daryl Bird from the Cats Paws today about UK sports, and also Brandon Ramsey from KSR. We had Brandon on a few times during the basketball season. And I saw a tweet he put out last week for a projected starting lineup. Thought that would make for a fun discussion topic. So we'll get to that uh, here in just a bit. As uh, That's our guest lineup today. Let's get right to the Wildcat News of the Day, presented by Kentucky Beer Cheese. UK softball did it the hard way to advance to the Super Regionals. They got clobbered by Notre Dame on Saturday to go into the loser's bracket, but then beat Northwestern later on Saturday and took Two from Notre Dame, 7 nothing and 4 nothing yesterday to advance to the Super Regionals for the eighth time in school history. And now Kentucky will take on three-seed Alabama in a best-of-three in Tuscaloosa starting on Friday afternoon. Alabama, of course, is the team that knocked Kentucky out of the SEC tournament with a uh, young lady from Kentucky in the circle pitching on Tana Fouts. Uh, but during the regular season, I believe, I think the series was 2-2. So uh, Kentucky will try to play its way to the College World Series through Tuscaloosa this weekend. And we'll talk more about that as it gets closer. Volleyball won the national championship, rifle, um, and now uh, softball. Would it be cool if they could make it to the College World Series and have a shot at uh, getting one? Three Wildcat basketball players named to the Jordan Brand Classic. Ty Ty Washington, Damian Collins, Bryce Hopkins. There will be no Jordan Brand game again this season, but uh, all three cats have been named to the roster. Um, um, you know, at this point, they had to make this decision, I guess, earlier. I think you look around now, and something like this could have easily been played. And it was so cool to see crowds at and in the NBA arenas and at the PGA, uh, just to hear the, the roar of the fans again, see that mass of humanity that uh, Phil Mickelson walked through to get to the 18th green. So, yeah, and, uh, it's uh, it's been a, a rough year, but it kind of feels like we're uh, getting pretty close to getting back to some normalcy for sports, and I think it'll feel that way certainly when we get to college football season. 
Speaking of college football, uh, Saturday Down South, a uh, great website for following SEC football, um, put out a post, one of those summertime kind of things, where they put out a, a post of streaks that they predict will end in 2020. And there was a Kentucky one on there that um, I had not taken note of. They predict that Kentucky's streak of 25 games without a quarterback throwing three touchdown passes or more in a game will come to an end. And uh, you could also add uh, a 300-yard passer. Uh, So it's 25 games without a quarterback throwing three TD passes in a game. And you have to go back to uh, November of 2016 to find the last 300-yard passer for Kentucky. And maybe both of those streaks will come to an end in 2021. NBA playoffs, big day for Devin Booker as the Suns took game one from the Lakers. Booker had 34 most points in a playoff debut in Suns history yesterday for Devin Booker. At the Garden, and it was really cool to see the energy that was in that place again. Atlanta beat the Knicks in the first game of that playoff series. Uh, tough beat for New York because they led most of the fourth quarter and then let it slip away late, and Trey Young hit a couple of free throws late to win it, um, or hit a shot late, excuse me. Hit a, he hit two free throws to put him ahead. New York tied it, and then he went down and hit a shot with just under a second left, and then uh, New York could not convert at the other end. Julius Randle struggled in uh, his uh, first playoff game with the Knicks, and... I think this will be a. It'll be going to be interesting to see how Julius responds. Now, I think he'll come back and have a big game. But this is this is playoff basketball. Now, you know, he had this big year for the Knicks, and so he becomes the focal point of the other team's defense, and they uh, really game plan differently than during the regular season uh, when they're getting into the playoffs. And so he has to uh, adapt to that. And so that's part of the seven game series: how the teams and the players punch and counter punch. So watch for that when they get to Game Two of Atlanta and New York. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We're coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. Brandon Ramsey from KSR will join us when we come right back on the Leach Report Radio Network. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. 16 past the top of the hour. We bring in Brandy Ramsey from KentuckySportsRadio.com. And I saw one of your tweets last week, Brandon, projecting a starting lineup. And uh, since you note that that's a, a fun summer topic to get into uh, until we get the games back. And uh, it is there's, – there's, there's a lot of options. And we don't know what they fully are yet until the uh, guys like Mintz and uh, others make decisions. But uh, – Cal's going to have a lot, several different ways he could go with this group, right? There definitely will be a lot of a lot of ways that he can go about it. And as you said, this is kind of the perfect off-season topic. That there's certainly still uh, some things to shake out, as you mentioned. We, we still even are waiting on Isaiah Jackson. That obviously is a huge chess piece that could still fall one way or another. And then, you know, probably more realistically, we're talking about Davion Mintz and and Keon Brooks that could shake all this up, but you know we're we're sort of in the in the doldrums of uh, of the off season now that recruiting is winding down and spring practice footballs 
out of the way. Football still feels pretty far away in, in terms of the fall. So starting to think about the, the starting lineup and the rotation is just what we do as Kentucky fans. And you're absolutely right that you know, Coach Cal has a lot of, of pieces and, and a lot of pieces that we really haven't seen much of in, in his time at Kentucky just in terms of having veteran players. You have Kellen Grady, who's going to be a fifth-year college player, started over 100 games in his career. You got guys like C.J. Frederick that started on NCAA tournament teams, Severe Wheeler's an all-SEC player coming back. So you know, these guys may not have the the Kentucky minutes under under their belt, so to speak, but they certainly have a lot of college basketball uh, to their name. Uh, there's still a couple of issues to be decided. One of them is Davian Mintz, and this is, I think his case is, is one of the ones that uh, we'll, you'll see a lot of with this new phase of, uh, that we're in for college basketball where a, a guy wants to uh, test the NBA, and especially if he's an older player like this, uh, like Mintz is, um, you know, he, he may look at it and say, you know, look, I've been in college long enough. Um, it's, it's time to see what I can do professionally. Uh, and if you're the uh, coach, oh, you know, you no matter, even if you hope he's going to, you'd love to have him back, which I think is the case with Cal Perry and, and Davion. But you're coming off a nine win season. You got to make sure you have all the pieces you need. And so if this guy isn't ready to uh, commit to coming back, you have to move on. And then if he decides to come back, you find a way to work him in. You're great. You're happy to have him. But uh, you do have to to move on, and I think there's you know it's probably a little bit of what has happened here that you know if if they knew Davion was going to be back, maybe they don't take one of the transfers. But uh, you know that teams are not going to have that luxury. Yeah, I, I think the Davion Mint situation is a really interesting one because it we were kind of in limbo there for a while. I mean, it, it, it was only three weeks ago. I think C.J. Frederick committed on May fifth, or right around there, and. You know, up to that point, Kentucky fans, myself included, you know, we we were really, really concerned about the backcourt situation because obviously, and he still hasn't to this day, but you know, we we, we didn't know if Davion Mintz was coming back or not. And at that time, we obviously didn't have Ty Ty Washington committed. We didn't have Severe Wheeler. Uh, we didn't have C.J. Frederick. So, you know, we we really needed some of these pieces. And as you said, you can only wait around so long for guys to make their decisions. And it's the same reason why. You have to start taking some of these commitments from guys like Severe Wheeler, where you know the, the Jose um, Alvarado thing was out there, Marcus Carr, different guys that are being rumored about. But when, when you have an opportunity to, to start taking some of these good guards, you sort of have to jump on it because you you need to build your roster. And and, and, at, that, and at this point, you know if you can get Mintz back, that's awesome. He was probably our best player a year ago, certainly the most consistent. He, he's another guy that can shoot it. He's a veteran presence. But but Kentucky's now in a situation where we're not desperately needing him to come back. I do think he would be an important piece if he does come back. But we've had to build the roster as if he isn't going to be there because we obviously don't know whether he will be or not. Uh, I, I can uh, make a suggestion because you were talking about being, you know, Kentucky fans really being worried there a few weeks ago. And I know that this uh, is... Uh, a useless suggestion for for most fans, maybe you included. But I would say guys like Calipari, it's part of the the benefit of having a guy like Calipari as the coach of your team, uh, you know, is that he's really good at what he does and been proven over a long time. I knew they'd get somebody. I knew something would work out. 
And if by some reason they didn't, then there'd be plenty of time to worry about it then. But I was about 99% sure they were going to get somebody or two or three to make this work out, especially coming off the season that they had. A guy like Cal Perry's not going to uh, he's going to do everything he can not to have anything close to that happen again. But that's easier said than done, I understand. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you you, you do, I, and it's something I, I say a lot on Twitter to fans. And you're a former coach. I, I, right, yeah. And I, I, I always say trust in Cal because I, I really do think that, and that, that that's easier said than done sometimes after a 9-16 and 16 season. But, but you know, I, I do think you, you have to just kind of, just wait it out and and believe that that things are going to shake out. And guess what? Now that you know, I, I just got done saying three weeks ago there was a lot of nervousness in Big Blue Nation, and now all of a sudden people are you know back on the train, full steam ahead. And it's it's funny how just a few weeks can change that. And I think that should be a lesson going forward, as you said that then maybe we should all take a deep breath and then just sit back and have some patience. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with Brandon and uh, talk a little bit about uh, some thoughts on what a starting five might look like this coming season, at least at the beginning of the season. We'll do that when we come right back on the Leach Report. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. So with Brandon Ramsey from KSR about what a starting lineup might look like for the Cats and in basketball. You had um, Wheeler backed up by Mintz, Ty Ty Washington backed up by Frederick, Grady backed up by Allen and Hopkins, Brooks backed up by Collins and Toppin, and Sheway backed up by Ware. Um, and you said, I just don't see Ty Ty not starting. I am with you on that. I've said that if I made a, a morning line on the most likely perimeter starter, I'd have him as the favorite. Might not be at the point. Could be you know a co-point guard kind of deal or uh, even playing off the ball. But um, I think he's the most likely starter of the perimeter group. But uh, give me your thoughts on why you put that uh, group together as you did. Yeah, the, the thoughts I had while putting that together, first and foremost, as you said, I, I think Ty Ty Washington is, is as much of a shoe-in as anybody for one of those starting spots. Partially, yes, because he's a five-star, you know, high school recruit, and a, and a lot of times those guys do get it. And this isn't this isn't a Coach Calipari thing. This is a college basketball thing. Those guys are going to get the first and second option to to, to get their spot. That's just the way the world works. Um, but but he's also just really really darn good. I mean, the, the the more film I watch of him, I just had a post on KSR when he committed, kind of breaking down some film on him, and he's really good off the ball. Um, I would actually say that he probably, in terms of transitioning to college basketball right now, he's probably better and more equipped off the ball than he is to be the true um, ball-in-his-hands point guard right now, especially with Severe Wheeler coming in. So I, I, I just really don't see this because of the talent that he has and his ability to play multiple positions. I don't see Ty Ty Washington not starting. Similarly, I don't see Severe Wheeler not starting. Uh, just because we, we, when you bring in a guy like that from the transfer portal, somebody who started college games, somebody who was an all-SEC player, I just have a hard time imagining a scenario where they're not going to want him in the starting lineup uh, right away. And, and then you look at Kellen Grady, who's another guy who's essentially started every game in his college career, and he scored over 2,000 points. Now that, that, that's not something you see very often in college basketball. So I, I, I actually think that those spots are probably, and you know, that this is just, 
an, an outsider talking essentially, but um, I, I think those spots are probably pretty pretty firmly held, with, with the exception of what would happen with Davion Mintz. I mean, I I do think he's somebody just because of the impact he had on last year's team, he might um, earn a spot. Um, but I, I I kind of assume there's some conversations being had, letting him know, hey, we, we would love to have you back. You're going to be an important piece. But if you were to come back, don't expect to play 35 minutes a game like you did a year ago. Yeah, I, th- I think you're uh, you're on the mark with with all of that. And if Mintz is not back, then I think it's you know uh, Wheeler and Washington could easily start together, and then at some point you give Wheeler a break and you slide Ty Ty over to the point, and then you give him a break and you bring in Wheeler in at the point, and so you kind of divvy the minutes uh, up among those two guys. Um, they could play sometimes together and sometimes solely as the point guard. And then that, when they are out there by themselves at the point, it leaves a lot extra minutes for Frederick or Grady or Allens, uh, etc. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it, and that's why I'm so confident in this year's roster. He said that there's a lot of guys with the ability to to do more than one thing well. And that, that, that was one of the issues with, with last season's team. What last season's team was that to be quite frank, there was a lot of guys that didn't seem to do much of anything well at times. And, you know, the, the, this year you have guys, even like Kellen Grady, who was essentially Davidson's point guard a year ago. You know, he, he has some ball handling experience under his, his belt. CJ Frederick, while he's not ever going to be a primary ball handler, he's a really good secondary ball handler. He's a very low turnover guy, doesn't make mistakes. Uh, and then you have Dante Allen in the rotation who's going to, be as good as any of those guys, just in terms of standing there and shooting threes and baking them. Uh, so I, I, I am really, really excited about the way that the, the, the backcourt rotation is is working out. And I think, you know, similarly to what we said about fans having some patience and and trusting in Cal, a lot of times, and I can speak from experience here as a former coach, that playing time works itself out. And you know, I, I've had some people reach out to me worried about, well, how are we going to play five or even six guards with Dante? or if Davion Mintz comes back. And I, the, those things work themselves out. I don't think that's something anybody needs to be worried about, You know, whether it be injuries or just guys playing better than others. Uh, playing time is something that, that works itself out over the course of the season. I think you are spot on with all of that. It's good stuff, Brandon. I appreciate the time, and it's, uh, it's kind of fun uh, topics to get into over the, the summer. Thank you. Yep, thanks, Tom. Have a good one. Brandon Ramsey, it's at BRamseyKSR on Twitter. Quick break, Daryl Bird from the Cat's Paws when we come right back. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. From the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio, it is the second half of our Leech Report for this Monday. We welcome in Daryl Bird from catspaws.com. I'm sure hard at work on the UK football yearbook, right? Boy, you nailed that one. <laughs> you nailed that one perfectly. That's exactly what I am. Up to my eyeballs, as they say. Uh, I figured that was probably the case. When is that uh, due out? We always try to come out right after the 4th of July. We weren't able to do that last year. So much was in flux with COVID and all that. and had to redo all the SEC previews because the schedules were pretty much scrapped and reinvented. And yeah, I don't don't want to repeat that type of year anytime soon. But usually right after the 4th of July because it's really cranking up. I think I saw 
what are we, 98, 97 days, something like that, from the kickoff of college football season. It's crazy to think it's it's that close, but it will sneak up on us, and it'll be here. Yeah, there was uh, a lot of uh, buzz going into last year's football season, uh, I think because mm-hmm. there was, uh, for a long time, didn't know if we'd even have one. And then right. we're going to get to have football games starting at the end of September. But then, unfortunately, Kentucky uh, drops the first two. And um, yeah. games they could have, uh, you know, were in, could have easily won, but uh, started, uh, got off to an 0 2 start. And then at the end of the year, they had lopsided losses to Alabama and Florida when they were, the Cats were shorthanded because of COVID, but still it was a, uh, a disappointing uh, ending. Uh, but, uh, other than, you know, the South Carolina game to, at home to kind of wrap it up against an outman South Carolina team. But I'll say all that to say, there was the bowl game kind of, um, was a, a, a reboot, I think, of uh, the, the fan mood, maybe. Uh, nice win over a, a ranked team. Uh, and Kentucky has a lot of uh, outstanding players back. And so what's your read on, on what the uh, expectation, where the expectation bar is set among the Big Blue Nation? Um, based on Mark Stoops' approach since the bowl game, I think expectations are higher than they've ever been. Because Mark usually backs away and wants nothing to do with anybody. You know, go ahead, talk us down. We're fine. We'll we'll show you. But when he's coming out, saying you know, he's as confident as he's ever been, he feels better about the program than he's ever ever had since he's been here. And those of us who have watched it progress very nicely since he got here are like, hmm. We think we know what you know, but usually he's not that confident, and he is, and he has a right to be given what they've done and how they've you know, they've advanced players to the NFL. The ranking, recruiting rankings just keep getting better and better every year. And there's no reason not to. And you know, had last year been a normal year, who knows what bowl games they would have been in. Because I felt bad for them because, I mean, I was all in. I had them picked second in the East. And with a normal schedule and Terry Wilson having a chance to come back from the injury and work his way back into it, Things may have been much better, but you know, he didn't have that luxury. Here, go play Auburn the first game, and it just was not a good start. And that was the one question last year: could could he come back and and would quarterback be solid with all the other pieces that were in place? And it just it never got off to the good start it needed. It's kind of the same way this year: is his quarterback going to get off to a good start with with Joey Gatewood or or whoever maybe? Don't count out Will Levis coming from Penn State. If that position is solid, then there's no reason to think with a normal schedule, some few tune-up games to get going, that this could be a really good year for them. How do you handicap that quarterback race? Like I said, I wouldn't discount Will Levis because Liam, Liam Cohen likes him a lot, got him in here. And the kid has, does have experience. But then you hear it's really hard because, because of the – the virus and all, we, we couldn't get to any practices, couldn't see anything. So you're kind of winging it based on what you hear and what coaches are saying. That that you hear the buzz that Joey Gatewood had a really nice spring and may have may have separated himself. But Will Levis isn't on campus yet, and then he's coming in soon, and then the, then the fun begins as far as that goes. And and knowing coaches, we probably won't know who the starting quarterback is. They'll keep that on the down low and see how it plays out. But it, they, they appear to have options. But better than the, the alternative is to have no experience whatsoever heading into it. Yeah, I mean, I think they have uh, 
guys there that uh, I believe they're confident they can win with. It's just uh, for for me, a, 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 a the point comes down to what level of production can they get at that position. The the better the play is there, um, I think the more uh, upside they have. I think they're going to be uh, sure. really good, but they can go from really good to really really good or. Or mm-hmm. depending on how many really is Coach Jen Coleman might like to put on that or whatever that you could uh, um, you know be uh, you know getting to a level of being an East contender, uh, but you have yeah. to to do that. I think you have to have uh, really good quarterback play. Yeah, they could have as you said average quarterback play, and with the O line is still in good shape, and, and Chris Rodriguez, you can lean on your running game and repeat the year that you've had the last two years. But you don't want to do that. You want them to take that next to 40. You don't want to have Wondell Robinson sitting out here and you can't get the ball to him. And what a waste. So if they can, you're right. It, we tend to put too much on the quarterback position. But then there are years like this when you look at it and you say, yeah, <laughs> we better put a whole bunch of it on the quarterback. Because if they can't throw the ball, then you're right back where you were. And they've got to be able to take advantage of the weapons that they have, not just the one standing behind the quarterback waiting for the handoff. Hearing anything about uh, who the can't, leading candidates might be for the uh, scale position on the staff? No, I haven't. Honestly, I've been so deep into the football yearbook, I haven't slowed down to, to take a look at that and see who, what that might be. You know, if it's going to be a good fit. That's If it's not a good fit, it, it won't last very long, as we saw earlier in the year. So that's, that's going to – I'm not even – remotely concerned about how they might feel that one. Daryl Bird's with us from catspaws.com. We'll take a quick break and continue the discussion here in just a moment on the Leach Report Radio Network. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Chat with Daryl Bird from catspaws.com here on the Leach Report. Uh, did you get caught up in the uh, Phil Mickelson phenomenon yesterday? I was out. I didn't, but as an old guy, I'm so happy. <laughs> Bring it on. Go for it. <laughs> Strike one for our side. Good job. I heard you an gotta, interesting. I love that, though, to see something like that. I mean, not since, I guess, what, Nicholas and the Masters was at 86, I think. Right. It almost happened with uh, Tom Watson seven or eight years ago in the British Open where he uh, led on the final day and his uh, he had a shot that was just about a foot or so too long on 18. He would have uh, won at an older age, actually. But uh, it's, uh, it was a cool cool story to see play out. Uh, one interesting note I heard on him, and I, th- I think I had heard this before, but I'd forgotten it, is he's actually right-handed, uh, but plays left because uh, his dad was left-handed and his dad taught him the game, and yeah. that's how he learned to play left-handed. Um, that's crazy. I, well, I'm left-handed, play golf right-handed, because I played very little golf growing up, but what little I did, uh, we just had one course, and it was a little nine-hole course at uh, at the country club, uh, and uh, I had a friend who was a member, and so he – uh, I was hanging out there with him a couple of times and I, you know, played a few holes and his clubs were right-handed. So I played yeah, right-handed. Say, yeah. Probably had <laughs> trouble finding left-handed clubs. 
Uh, I wasn't looking because I wouldn't go play much. <laughs> uh, but uh, I just thought that was interesting. He is uh, actually right-handed. Anyway, uh, enough uh, with golf. Let's get back to a little UK basketball. We were talking football. Uh, what's your take on the roster Cal has remade to this point? Remade is right. I really like it because I know, and again, strike one for the old guys. I mean, Cal took a lot of heat at the end of last year, and I guarantee there were whispers of, He's 62, which, to quote Cal, when I talked to him one time, is a whole lot younger than it used to be. But people were whispering, is the game passing him by, or be more likely, is he too stubborn to change? And, and Because he's had things his way for so long and had a certain way of doing it. And he, I don't know if it was intention, but he pretty much blew it up and started over. And I give him a lot of credit being 62 and willing to do that coaching staff is, is revamped wildly revamped and this roster is exactly what he said at the end of the year remember he kind of blew me away with that one statement of having athletes over shooters and how some of the guys he recruited early wouldn't be top 10 draft picks now in, in this day and age and he went out and, and changed it went out and got shooters and is he going to take a hit on the athleticism side i don't know we're got to wait and see but there's a difference between being athletic and being a really good basketball player. I don't think you have to have one to be the other. You see it in, in other sports as well. Being a great athlete doesn't automatically make you a great basketball player. It helps, but you don't have to have it. And to see him reinvent it the way he's done is, is fascinating to watch it unfold. Yeah, Grady was the first one. Right after the season ended, uh, coming in yeah. as a grad transfer from from Davidson, and if it had stopped there, and the players that he brought in uh, were more like the the types of players he uh, has typically brought in, then you'd say, well, he's you know kind of uh, bringing in one more shooter, but he's he's really not doing what uh, he was talking about. But to your point, uh, the things that he said have been followed by actions of recruiting guys who seem to be more fit with the the way the game is moving yeah he never would have recruited he didn't recruit cj frederick out of high school even though as close as he was you know he never got a you know a glance from kentucky at the time when he went off to iowa and granted he did had fun with him because he was the mvp of the state tournament at Cove catholic and i'm like you know a lot of people have played their way into a scholarship offer mm-hmm during the Sweet 16. We've seen it more than once. And he, he had already committed, signed with Iowa. And he said, no, I never, boy, A, I never got recruited. B, I, I locked onto Iowa early because it was his one big offer. And he hooked, looked, hooked onto it. And here we are, you know, a few years later, he's, he's here. That tells you the big change of, of approach that Cal's making to take someone that you wouldn't have taken just two years ago because he shoots lights out. And I think more impressive than that, he does not turn the ball over. He takes care of it. It reminds me a little, probably maybe a better long-range shooter, but he reminds me a lot of of John Pelfrey, the type of kid that I don't know if Cal recruited Pelfrey coming out of high school. Maybe yes, maybe no. But the kid can play basketball, and that's what you want. Yeah, and he's uh, an example of a guy that, you know, or Grady's coming in as a grad transfer. Uh, Frederick. 
uh, could be here for uh, more more than one year. Could be here for a couple of yeah. years. Um, you're maybe in the in this new phase of college basketball, we'll see a little bit more of that. But it's still going to be uh, frustrating for for fans with the the roster turnover that's going to happen. I was. Uh, reading uh, Jerry Tipton's notes column in the Herald-Leader last night. Uh, and he had some comments from a couple of uh, longtime Kentucky fans that have grown disenchanted with the way the game's gone. And, uh, you know, you're not both – you know, you hear that from people. I understand it. Mm-hmm. But the comparison I've always made is is to baseball uh, when I used to be able to tell you the starting eight on every team in the 70s, and you can't do that mm-hmm. anymore. And no. it's less – you know, it was less fun as a fan, but it was better – for those players' lives, for it to, to change the way that it did. And sure. uh, it's kind of the case here. And if if that bothers you to the point where you can't, you know, follow it as, as much anymore, I understand that. That's you know, Everybody makes their own decisions. But yeah, uh, you're probably going to miss out on a lot of fun. And it, it, it is – it's not – you're not going to change it by doing that, so you might as well adapt. Yeah. Well, a whole – and it also comes down to success. I mean – People, some people have not liked the one done from the approach, you know, but they're complaining about it as they're sitting down to watch the Final Four. <laughs> you know, that's the way that comes. UK's in the Final Four, then you can tolerate some of that a lot better. But, you know, it's been a while since they've they made it. That's come really close a couple of years and could have easily been in the Final Four. But you know, that's just the way it plays out. But I think... Before I would bail on UK, I would take a look at the landscape because Cal nailed it a few years ago. The guaranteed one and done freshman may not even be available. The way the trend is going on some of these top high school kids signing with G League teams and, and doing pro contracts that you know I even took, went to great lengths in recent Caspals issue we did of okay let's look at how it would have been if you wiped out the top five high school kids and it changed UK's roster dramatically. And then those, those kids may not be there anymore. So suddenly you are getting, maybe you're getting guaranteed two and done. So you get to know the kids a little better. And the Lord knows what the transfer portal is going to do. That thing's got to shake out at some point or it's complete chaos. And then you get kids that, <clears throat> hey, I don't know that severe, Wheeler's going to be one and done. Maybe get him for a few years. You're going to have Frederick for a few years. It changes. It's not going to be that seven players gone to the league every single year type of turnover. At Daryl Bird on Twitter, catspaws.com on the web. Thank you, sir. Good luck with your book. All right, man. All right, take care. We'll be right back to wrap up this edition of the Leach Report. One Wildcat birthday on this 24th of May. Anthony Epps, point guard for the national champs in 96, celebrating a birthday today. Our Triple Crown update presented by Claiborne Farm, doing the usual unusually well for more than a century. Midnight Bourbon, runner-up in the Preakness, will skip the Belmont Stakes. Uh, That's according to the group that owns that colt. And John Velasquez, Johnny Velasquez, has signed on as the writer for Rombauer. For the Belmont, Flavian Pratt rode him to victory in the Preakness, but he's going to stick with his commitment for a hot rod Charlie in the Belmont. And hopefully you put a little money on Temple City Terror on Saturday night at Churchill Downs. We gave you that one on Friday, and uh, he came through at like 5 or, or 6 to 1. 
Uh, on the latest edition of the Behind Kentucky Football podcast with Curtis Birch, he sat down with UK defensive coordinator Brad White, and one of the questions they discussed is who could be the next breakout star, a.k.a. the next Jamin Davis. I think we have some candidates on that defense that can really elevate. Now, maybe not to the surprise that Jamin had, uh, but guys like – Josh Pascal, Yusuf Corker, uh, DeAndre Square, you know, could really have those big mm-hmm. breakout moments. And I think they're closer to, say, the, the Josh Allens, where they've had really solid careers. And you're, what you're looking for is that unbelievable final push, that final jump. And I think those guys, you know, have that ability uh, to – have one of those historic years you know for their position group brad white and you can hear the full interview at the uh, behind kentucky football podcast and he also talked about jj uh, weaver and he's coming back of course from the knee injury he suffered in the game down at florida last season and he talked about how well weaver's doing in the rehab we'll start with him just from a rehab scenario that he he's really uh grinding hard uh knock on wood you know that you know that there's no you know setbacks within that because he's a guy that i think has some really special ability and on the back half of last season you know he was arguably uh one of the top players on our defense like the level that he was playing at you know in that alabama game which i know that the score doesn't uh show it but if you actually watch the game how he performed in that game and then uh up until he got hurt in the florida game he was you know the best defensive player on the field uh he was he was making plays all over the place um so uh he's a guy that you know if we can get him back and you know playing we've got to be really mindful uh you know of his progression you know he he looks great right now and it's you know but you have to also understand, you know, when it when it comes to a knee, it, it takes time, and you don't want to push too fast. And, and luckily enough, you know, we've got plenty of guys that we've dealt with, I've dealt with over the years. You know what that progression looks like. We'll That's start Brad with White, him just from and the, um, talking about uh, JJ Weaver. I think he has got huge upside, JJ Weaver, and um, I think he could be a, a real superstar. I, I think it'll probably take a little time. I would say. You might look for a lot of that to emerge maybe in the second half of the upcoming season. We'll see. Uh, but I think bright future ahead for that young man. We'll see you tomorrow on the Leach Report. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.